This is Matt from Working Fintech, and today we're talking to Alistair Clark, who is a senior equity trader at Capital Group. And I'm also joined by Josh Laverini, who is an undergrad studying Spanish at Oxford University. Hi, Alistair. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Josh. Um, over to you, Josh. Hi, Alistair. Great to have you on today. Thank you for your time. To get started, please could you tell us about your background and your career? Yeah, of course. So my name is Alistair Clark. I'm a senior equities trader at Capital Group. I've been at Capital now for 16 years trading pure equities in Europe. My background is having spent um, four years at university. I found myself working for the old Horgavet before it became ABN AMRO um, on the trading floor, really not knowing what part of the financial industry um, suited me or what I wanted to get into. But after a stint in corporate finance and research analysis and strategy and economics um, and trading and sales trading at the time, I found out that I preferred to be, my skill set was in around sales trading. And actually going through that process was great because I removed things that I didn't want to do as a job for the rest of my career. So that process was very, very helpful in terms of determining my actual career path. I spent four years at ABN AMRO um, and then moved across to JP Morgan, where I serviced Dutch, Scandinavian, Benelux and Swiss client base, again, sales trading and equities. And then um, in 2005, uh, I moved across and was lucky to move across to Capital Group um, to join, join one of the trading desks in Europe there. And I've been there for 16 years now. In addition to that, outside of my responsibilities, Capital is a firm where if you want to stick your hand up and talk about projects or have any ideas about what to do, um, I have an interest in technology and obviously why we're speaking today. But um, I've um, been in charge of a project for the last four years that's created, delivered and developed our own um, trading platform, which is called TAPE, which stands for the Trading and Analytics Platform for Execution. And that now sits on all of our traders throughout all regions of the world, all 36 traders, and they use it actively. And that's grown and developed over the last the last four years. And it's going to continue to develop as market conditions and everything change. Coming off the back of that, it's a term that gets banded around quite a lot, and it can often seem quite vague. How would you define fintech and why is it important? Yeah, it does. And it's almost like the financial industry. There's a job for anybody in any skill within the financial industry, uh, as there is a job and a development and a project within fintech. I mean, fintech for me comes in a range of different topics and processes in the financial services, and that may include automation, communication tools, efficiency bridges, and cutting-edge new products such as machine learning that gets bounded about or natural language processing. But wherever you may sit within the broader environment, or be at the macro and the micro level, the development of these tools has been a key factor in how we've progressed as an industry, with obviously the, the prime example being the pivoting from to working from home versus being in the office whilst maintaining our performance um, and continuing to develop. For me, in my tech role, the ability to investigate new products, share ideas, witness innovation through incubator sites, and we can touch on that later on if you like, um, and embrace all those different collaborations to what might be the next cutting-edge fintech to give Capital Group first-mover advantage is where it is for me, and that's what most excites me. So, So fintech is really what you want to make it yourself. And if you have an idea and you see an improved process, 
um, and you want to find that and experience new offerings, FinTech will enable you to compass it. And there'll be someone out there that will be able to support that and, and make it real. So you currently work at Capital Group, which is one of the biggest asset managers in the world with over $1.9 trillion in assets under management. In your opinion, what makes a good trader and what qualities do you look for or avoid in a trader? So I think, you know, the best way to, to answer that, because, you know, we can spend two hours or three hours talking about well, who's a good trader, who's a bad trader and things to um, use and, and, and avoid. Um, so, you know, let's let's take out the, the obvious givens out there, such as enthusiasm, attention to detail, people skills, um, processing, opinions, views, and obviously uh, pressure management. When I, when I look across all of our 36 traders um, in Asia, Europe, and the US, what, what's apparent is that there's no one-fits-all model to being a good trader. You know, we have traders, and what I mean by that is that we have traders that have very different working practices, you know, offering different trading solutions, different perspectives, market knowledge, specialists in some field, macro, technicals, or positioning, for example. I think what is important is how they apply those skills to to work alongside portfolio managers or analysts to achieve their desired outcome for that specific single trade. As you mentioned, as a on the larger long only firms out there, our, our traders are skilled in strategy selection on an order by order basis. Some of our orders can take months to complete, um, and obviously, you know, if the market finds out about them, there are implications that we don't want to we don't want to spread out so that that people know what we're up to so the strategy within the execution is then very 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 key i'm also in the camp of you know embracing change and driving new practices which which traders should be open to at the moment there is an old adage of you know because we've always done it this way i don't believe that's relevant nowadays and to insert and embrace and allow yourself to that change is key, is a key trait for all traders. And it's even better if, if you can force that and drive that yourself too. And Alistair, in, in terms of trading as a as a something to earn an income from, we speak to a lot of students and, and young people who have, you know, getting involved in investing and trading is so easy now compared to what it was, you know, 10 years ago. There are a lot of people who, who I come across who think it's quite easy to trade and to make money from trading. And anyone who ever asked me, you know, I was a trader years ago and built up a company around trading as well. But anyone who asked me who's young about trading, I just tell them, no, don't go near it. You know, and if you do, there's the, you know, these are the things you need to, to learn before you even touch any real money. What would you say to young people who are, who are looking at, at trading as, as some sort of income on the side? while they're still studying because you've just spoken about you know 36 traders and you've built this platform and blah 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 there's so many different elements to putting a trade on through to from researching an analyst through to technology through to having 20 guys on a desk all agreeing on something how can you compete with that when you're trading on your phone on ig index if if you could explain to young people who might be listening, why you need to be very careful if you start trading. Yes, and it's conversations I have with you know my son's mates or older brothers who are just going off to university. They read a headline and 
you know, the only headlines you ever read are those people that have made a significant amount of money. You, you don't hear about the people that have lost money just because of one fad, because a mate's told them in some social environment that this is what they should be putting their hard-earned cash into. The obvious, the obvious answer to that is uh, if you can afford to lose that money, go for it if that's what you want to do. But be prepared that nine times out of ten, because you're not well informed enough based on the fact that even large hedge funds and large long-only monies do not get it right 100% of the time with the resources that they have, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. What I'd recommend is earning that money, saving that money and putting it to better use by, as I'll speak to later on, attending differing either tech expos or classes or different conferences whereby you're really meeting true and real people that when you get to interview stage you can go back you know i had this experience when i spoke to this person at this firm and he spoke about that i agree with that or i actually disagree with what he said because of a different experience that i've had x y and z if i'm looking at having conversation in and around an interview process that is what I'd find far more interesting rather than, oh, I put 10 quid into, uh, you know, FX, whatever it is, to one on my app and I made 12 quid and aren't I brilliant? It's like, well done. That's not interesting to me. And quite frankly, if you're that laissez-faire and a little bit cowboyish with your money, then I'm not sure I really want you going into details or looking after other people's money, which is essentially what you are doing. I will confess to having downloaded Trading212, although I will make sure not to put it on my CV. Moving on to the topic of, or moving back to the topic of innovation and automation, we expect to see exponential growth over the next decade or so in the realm of fintech. Do you think that we will also see human traders and human asset managers replaced or merely augmented? And what skill set would you say will be necessary for traders in the future? So the the augment replace traders asset management conversation has been bubbling for a while now and you know i can't speak for all firms out there but having shared ideas and conversation with other buy siders at, at tech events a it's an individual firm's decisions and it's their prerogative on on what path they want to take but b there is a consensus out there to enhance the trading and manager workflow experience so Depending on each firm's direction and desire to improve, um, yes, it's there. Using my own experience, tech and fintech have started to remove, well, let's say, the more manual processes within the day-to-day trading uh, workflow. It's freed up time for traders to be more thought-provoking, um, look at pre-trade, pre-trade um, in a more scientific manner make smarter validated decisions intra-trade but also increase the flow of better communication conversations and discussions within the managers uh, and the trading desks Um, for example one of my current developments at the moment 
is to try and embed um, our manager research into tape. So we won't have to search for reports or meeting notes. Um, they'll be pushed into tape into me. And if I'm working a, a new ticket and something's been written recently, I, I'll get an alert so I can one click, bring up the report, see what the manager's thinking, get some feedback from the meeting, see what his price target might be. Again, that will aid in my strategy on what he wants to try and achieve. And in addition to that, you know, on the flip side, we're going to embed some trading tiles into their PM manager system so they can also be better informed. So when they're looking at a stock, they can see not only what news has been out there recently, but how it's positioned, what the short interest might be, what the volume characteristics might be, what the returns might be over a period of time. And so they can come to me and say, look, Alistair, I'm interested in this stock, but I see that the short position is X, Y, and Z, or I see it's very, very illiquid. Is that what you're seeing? And that's a different conversation to, hi, Alistair, I'm interested in this. What do you think? He's already got an idea. He's already primed to what the strategy might be. And then with your trading hat on, obviously you have this information in front of you as well, and you can go into greater detail. And between the two of you, you can come up with the best solution for that strategy. And, you know, and it's it's very, very clear that the best outcomes on the trades are based on better pre-trade conversation, pre-trade costing, strategy selection, which comes out from your collaboration with your portfolio managers. So I think for the future, for all traders should learn to embrace technology. Definitely don't be afraid of it. You know, as it will help and it will aid and it will be and also to be open-minded for change you know and the general evolution of technology at the moment currently we're absorbing the greatest amount of data around trading so we want the technology to do all the heavy lifting to to not waste my time as a trader searching for information we want that information pushed into me be it market data spread data manager updates, research internally. So everything comes to me in as fast and as straightforward format as possible. So I can get back to doing my day job, which is, am I being aggressive in the market? Should I be speeding up? Should I be slowing down? Is information in front of me correct to you know, take advantage of an anomaly that's in the market, etc.? And let the tech do that work and, and ultimately we'll all benefit from it. And as a group, capital has, has already benefited from it during the recent pandemic and the recent volatility in the market by the traders starting to push back on managers who have, as I've already mentioned, always executed it a certain way because I've always done this. And now we can challenge and we're starting to get further feedback and further data to, to suggest that our suggested solutions are nine times out of ten the best way to go. I think one of the things you said there, Alistair, about um, your kind of tech background, you know, you, you, you're interested in tech, you had a little play with it a long time ago, but actually you've not had, 
you know, you're, you're not a technology person, yet you put your hands up to do it because you've got an interest and a kind of a passion about it. And that's one of the things we wanted to kind of put across with this whole work in fintech projects is that you don't need to be a developer or a coder to work in financial technology. You know, I'm, I'm CEO of a, of a technology company, I push pull, but I'm not a coder or a developer. I'm a techie. I enjoy tech and I'm passionate about it and I like learning about it. And I can talk the language to, to developers so they can understand what I'm saying, but I don't need to code myself. And I think that's really important for people to understand because it's not necessary for you to have these skills that you think you need to have to work in fintech. No, I, t- I totally agree. I mean, my learning curve went from zero to where it is now in a very short space of time. All the different acronyms and all the different you know directions of the tech world was, was something that I had to pick up and learn very, very quickly. I think that to your point, the, the important part is that if you can create relationships with people that understand what you're trying to achieve, who do have that coding and tech understanding and tech knowledge, then that's that's how success is created within projects. You know, historically, you know, you, you'll find that whatever new idea someone comes up with, they come up with the idea and then just historically have passed it over to a siloed tech division they go off they create they design it comes back and actually it doesn't really look much like you your original idea because you haven't necessarily held their hand or they haven't also communicated how you really want it so in terms of what's worked within tape and the project is because of my interest and that's at the higher level of what I want to achieve and how it looks and how um, the flow of information comes into me, even to the point of how the mouse moves across the front of the UI from left to right and what bits sit where, etc. And that's come from me, but tell me, ask me how to embed that API into a web-based container. I still don't know. So, you know, to your point, it's great to have a, an initial fundamental idea and understanding of, of what it might mean or what it might need to create that in its initial simplest stage. But, you know, with our younger traders and associates that we have on the desk, we're, we're embracing their ideas to come into us. And so we're, we're, we're saying, well, what do you think? How can this be better? And they don't have any coding knowledge. They're just looking at it from a pure, I'm new to trading. I would like to think about it this way. And I would like to potentially change the way we do things this way. Or is there this data that's available that we can bring in in an API or at least design what an API looks like? And then you're literally creating on a piece of paper with crayons what it looks like. And then you speak to somebody who knows how to turn that into something that you'll be able to see on within your user interface that's linked into your EMS and OMS and ultimately will feed you validated information to speed up your decision making. I'm wary of time, so we only have room for one more question, which is what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself and what advice would you give more generally to young people who want to, let's say, make a mark on the world of fintech? Yeah, I think, you know, fintech is is an area whereby you can travel in many different directions until you find your actual career path, you know, trade take trading as a job you you can do as much research and as much uh, historical learning and education 
in and around the subject. But and, until you do the actual job, that's when the real experience starts. You know, as I said, I did many different roles before I found my own role. And actually, I was quite pleased that I did that because it really showed me what I didn't want to do in my life. So I wouldn't change that. What, what, you know, maybe I should have learned a little bit longer about programming air flight simulators. Who knows what I'd be programming now and, you know, sitting on some beach somewhere in a pair of flip flops, chilling out and just programming every day. I think, um, I think that's something I should have looked into a little bit more. But in all seriousness, you know, if I wanted to do it again, I would have a little bit of knowledge more around how to develop. Um, I'd like to have a little bit more understanding of some coding. But not a lot. As I said, I haven't needed it. But let's not forget that I've been creating based off over 20 years of experience. So if I was doing it again, yes, I'd probably want to have a little bit more understanding of how things are made, you know, behind, behind under the hood. Um, I would have liked to have attended more um, fintech expos or conferences. Uh, I think, you know, seeing what's out there and what's in the market to to experience and talk about interview and also you know you can then quiz the employer at what stage of the tech cycle they are at if you've got that knowledge of oh i was speaking to this um, incubator and this is what they're doing in fintech do you do that oh i've noticed that there's a trend in this and everybody's talking about this particular topic at the moment i'd find that far more interesting than you know as we've mentioned talking about you know trading on your phone or looking at the biggest trades or talking about Bitcoin or whatever it might be. Um, I'll also spend some time, if you can, at some of the tech incubators. I've, I've mentioned a couple already, Rise and Level 39. There are more out there. I'd research those those incubators and try and spend some time with the people right at the um, cutting edge of the industry. You know, and I think... You know, you've got to take away that technology will continue to to be the alpha differentiator from company to company. And you just want to be at the front of it. So try and lap up and absorb as much as you can, because whichever convoluted way you get to your career path, you'll find that seat and you'll feel comfortable in that seat. And your knowledge will essentially take you there. Your knowledge and your interests will take you there. Great, thanks a lot, Alistair. So, so I guess to kind of to recap, then there's there's a number of soft skills that are very useful, and personal development is very useful, even ahead of technology skills to work in fintech. Like you were talking about, you know, meeting people in fintech, going to exhibitions, going to incubators, talking to people in the industry, knowing what they're doing, um, and your path as well was actually you tried a lot of things and found out what you didn't like before you found a thing that you like. And again, when people are coming through studying and university and education, you kind of you, you kind of laser focus on a specific area which you think you might like. But if you don't, that's absolutely fine because the more things that you figure out that you don't like, you actually get more range and more skills that you can then apply in a thing that you find that you do like. And and I think hearing from you that <clears throat> you're a senior equity trader, a massive buy side firm your advice is to not be trading is that for young people but to actually invest in yourself you know learn things meet people you're going to get more bang for your buck investing in yourself than trying to trade some money on a spread betting firm or buying bitcoin yes i couldn't agree couldn't agree with you more 
Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much for your time today, Alistair Clark, and thanks a lot, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Matthew. Cheers.